Looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And it'd be great to be back with you all on winningponies.com. John Engelhart here. An absolutely gorgeous week in the bluegrass area. It's going to be throughout the weekend for those of you taking in some of the races at uh, perhaps the uh, unique Kentucky Downs, which would have to definitely be considered uh, America's most European track. I hope to make my first foray down there uh, on Saturday. But as uh, it's been said before, if uh, you know racing was a religion, Keeneland would be the Vatican, and certainly this week they're holding high mass down there. It is the Keeneland September sales. No longer do they have the July sales. Uh, the, the horses seem to be uh, a little more mature, a little more filled out. You don't you don't have to rush them and get them all bulked up to get that big uh, that big money price, but. For those who have been there, you know what I'm talking about. And if you haven't been there, I'll, I'll try to set the scene for you. Uh, Keeneland, of course, uh, absolutely uh, pristine facility uh, located just uh, west of uh, Lexington, Kentucky. And it's basically the who's who of racing, and not just in the bluegrass, uh, not just from the big tracks. You've got them from coast to coast and from across the pond. Uh, anybody who's anybody is there. You hear him speaking uh, different languages. Uh, at any moment, uh, Bob Baffert uh, could could brush by you on the way to the sales ring. Uh, they uh, have the uh, the yearlings uh, throughout the, uh, the stabling area, uh, each one beautifully uh, decorated with flowers and the placard of, of each farm. Then, of course, in front of each stall, uh, the placard and pedigree uh, of each uh yearling that's going to be for sale and usually you just ask uh, someone hey i'd like to see uh, uh you know hip number 68 by medallia dioro and out of grand prayer and they'll parade them before you and it's interesting watching everybody look and, and see what exactly it is they're looking for in the confirmation and uh, later in the show we're going to get a chance to talk to frank mitchell who's a bloodstock uh, expert on ma- on many levels. And Frank's going to help us a little bit with the eyeballing. But it- it's just the uh, the general ambiance, uh, the-, the friendliness, uh, the beauty of the horses. It- it's amazing considering that these are thousands of two-year-olds, uh, how many of them are very, very uh, well-behaved, uh, obviously all well-groomed, and uh, they're in and out of their stalls, in and out of their stalls, you know, 50, 100 times a day over the, the viewing period. And uh, then they're brought into a preview ring outside the arena, and then they go into another preview ring, and then it's obviously onto the sales stage until the gavel drops. And uh, the gavel uh, did drop pretty impressively. It looks like uh, 
the uh, the sales are going to be a healthy one. I mean, uh, right out of the gate, uh, we, we saw an AP Indy uh, go up for $1.4 million. Uh, of course, Street Cry and his son Street Sense, very, very hot. Uh, the uh, second and third sales toppers uh, for Colts on uh, opening night were Street Cries, uh, one for $1.2 million, another for 925000 Of course, a derby winner Street Sense, a young stallion, but they're liking what they see. Uh, he had a Philly go for 650000 and a Colt go for 500000 And again, uh, when we get Frank Mitchell on, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, trends in the breed. But uh, if you've never been to the Keeneland Sale, it's just as exciting and as classy as going to the races there. Uh, and if you've been there, you know what I talk about. For some people, it's, it's turned into kind of almost a social event. Uh, I saw some people that never looked at a screen to see what the bidding was, and they were just there all dressed up, kind of enjoying each other and uh, uh, taking in a few uh, libations um, during the uh, ceremonies, shall we say. Well, uh, uh, aside from million-dollar horses being sold this week, there's uh, other horses in the headlines. I know last week we talked about Arv de Grasse, uh, being perhaps horse of the year, but who knows? Here's here's an outsider that that might get get a chance to to get a vote or two, and you can watch this horse uh, run uh, tomorrow at Charlestown. The horse's name is Rapid Redo. Perhaps you haven't heard of it, but Rapid Redo will be taking on nine other starter allowance foes who have raced for a claiming tag of five thousand or less. Over the last two years, yes, you got that right. Five thousand or less over the last two years. Uh, he was claimed by Maryland-based owner Robert Cole and trainer David Wells last October thirteenth from a six thousand two hundred and fifty dollar claiming race at Penn National. Right now, he is looking at a sixteen race win streak, which is only three shy of the North American record of 19 wins in a row shared by Horse of the Year Zenyatta and uh, the New Mexico bred uh, Pepper's Pride. Uh, Rapid Redo, since his claim, has won more than 300,000. If this isn't a claimer's dream, uh, he's, his winning margins have ranged from a nose to 10 and three-quarter lengths. Uh, he's led nearly every step of the way in each and every one of his different races, and he's won from five furlongs to a mile and an eighth. So that's going to be the feature race at, at, at Charlestown to Tomorrow, you may want to tune in and, and check that out. Uh, just want to let you know, Tisway is a probable favorite for the uh, 750,000 Jockey Club meet, and uh, certainly Tisway on his toes right now. He breathes five furlongs up at Saratoga. Uh, trainer James Bond is going to keep him up there to the day of the race because he says he likes to sleep in his own backyard. Meanwhile, uh, trainer Todd Pletcher with his dynamic duo, Uncle Mo and Stay Thirsty. Uh, Uncle Mo, who just got nosed out in the King's Bishop, uh, had uh, a nice four furlong work at Saratoga on Sunday, and he's pointing for, I believe it is the Kelso Stakes on Super Saturday, October 1st. And Stay Thirsty, who may be the top three-year-old right now, winner of the Travers, uh, works Sunday at the spa covering a half mile and an easy 50, and he'll probably be going in that grade one Jockey Club Gold Cup. So that's a look at some of the things that, that are going to be uh, coming up. And right now, let's go back and uh, look at the races that Ed Meyer and I had a chance to handicap last week. Uh, Rafael Bayarano has did not race at Louisiana Downs all this year, and like a few uh, jockeys that have been in the headlines, uh, he should have been arrested down in Louisiana. Uh, arrested for what? For thievery. Absolutely. He stole the half-a-million-dollar Super Derby 
at Louisiana Downs. Now, he's riding uh, Prayer for Relief, the horse that we selected, and uh, this horse has not been beaten this year so far. The question is, we said, how good is he? Uh, trained by Bob Baffert, uh, won the Iowa Derby, a grade three, and the West Virginia Derby, a grade two, so he hadn't been hitting some of the heavy headers. Very interesting. Bayrano changed his running style, put him on the lead, and all of a sudden slowed the pace down. Got a half mile and 50 and change. Now, I will say that all of a sudden, uh, populist politics came up and got within a head, but no panic on Bejarano's uh, half, and all of a sudden, he just got belly down, went to riding, and ended up pulling away to win by two and a half lengths. I think next time we'll see that uh, uh, Prayer for Relief is going to be taking on some bigger boys in his next start. Then we went to uh, Presque Isle Downs, a horse that uh, race that uh, is now a grade two, $400,000, the Presque Isle Downs Masters. Uh, and, and in here, uh, the favorite was Ariana D. And Ariana D may well have been the best horse in the race, but sometimes you need that racing luck. Um, Ariana D., who likes to just come from off the pace, was bumped very hard at the start, uh, was dropped back to uh, 12th place in the 12-horse field, and uh, then had to go nine wide in this race and still only missed by a neck. Uh, getting the win, a uh, horse that had a perfect trip, musical romance, beautifully uh, ridden by Juan Leva. Uh, it was only this horse's second start on a synthetic circus, <laughs> circus surface, and uh, ended up winning in the three-horse photo over Ariana D. and Shotgun Gulch. Uh, that, again, coming from Presque Isle. Uh, then we moved on to the uh, Arlington-Washington Lassie, uh, one of uh, two uh, two-year-old races that uh, we took a look at. And uh, this race turned out to be an interesting one. Uh, there was, you know, two-year-old races going around two turns for the first time. Uh, you might find some trouble, and, uh, well, we uh, may have. Anyhow, the winner was Rocket 21, a 16-to-1 shot who put in a big stretch run. Never really got far from the leader, but the leader had a clear lead. Essence of Bubbles uh, was the leader, and turning for home was on top by three. Rocket 21, very interesting running line in this horse. Uh, The horse trains at Arlington Park, but trainer W.T. Howard shipped to Prairie Meadows for this Phillies debut, and she ended up winning going away at odds on that day. Uh, She was uh, uh, just a very impressive through the lane, as as we said. In the second spot, it was Essence of Bubbles, who you know had the lead the whole way, just held on by a half. Uh, Anne of the Dance was, was a horse we liked, uh, had the hometown advantage, but this horse was in hand, got bumped at the quarter pole, and it did have a nice rally from ninth. Uh, so it was Rocket 21, Essence of Bubbles, and Anne of the Dance in the Arlington-Washington Lassie. Uh, if you want to get out your list of trouble horses, then you want to put a ring around the Arlington-Washington Futurity. Uh, this one was the boys' version, uh, going a mile, and there were a lot of traffic problems, and there's going to be a lot of horses to watch uh, coming out of this race. Uh, the favorite was Take Charge Indy, who was the son of the very well-known Take Charge lady, a multimillionaire that was trained by Kenny McPeak. Uh, Take Charge Indy, uh, while 
uh, being the slight favorite over 1,200, uh, had, had some running to do. The winner was uh, Shared Property. Uh, shared Property uh, was also racing in close quarters during the opening stages, got shuffled back, and uh, it waited and waited and waited, and all of a sudden uh, shot through and ended up uh, holding on to get the win by a length. Take Charge Lady, though, I mean, uh, just to, you know, she had to shift forward wide, shift inside, shift outside, and then put in a rally. Uh, the the uh, Again, the the trouble lines just continue from there. Uh, as you'll see, uh, Motor City, uh, he had uh, he was forced out six wide while avoiding traffic entering the upper stretch. Uh, no spin uh, was steady in tight quarters. Uh, Heiko was forced to steady. So uh, keep an eye out on, on two-year-olds coming out of the Arlington-Washington futurity. It very well could prove to be a key race. Well, that was a look at the races that we handicapped last week on the show. My expert handicapper this week will be none other than the news editor of the Blood Horse, Tom Lamara. You've probably seen him on the internet and have heard him on winningponies.com before. We're going to take a little bit of a breather here, and when we come back, we're going to be talking to breeding expert, Frank Mitchell, on winningponies.com. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Football and so much more is the focus of Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson. Join the former Arizona Cardinals running back for a show that mixes, well, a little bit of everything. Damian brings to the program life experiences playing football and will talk about his variety of successes both on and off the field. The goal is to provide you with a fun perspective on life, family, success, and of course, football. Tune in to Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson, Fridays at noon Pacific time 3 p.m eastern time on the voice america sports channel listen to sports talk at the positive pub every monday at 1 p.m eastern 10 a.m pacific on the voice america sports channel gil tyree talks to sports newsmakers playmakers and story breakers you the hardcore interactive and novice fan can join the show via your phone calls and emails sample what's good right and positive about the world of sports every week Begin your week in a positive way with Sports Talk from the Positive Pub. Be here every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. 
Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right. Welcome back and uh, welcome to uh, Winning Ponies, Frank Mitchell. Let me tell you a little bit about Frank. Of course, I've been reading him uh, for, for years. Uh, he got interested in his pursuit of knowledge of the sport uh, leading up to the Triple Crown in 1970. Of course, uh, Dust Commander won that, uh, uh, ridden by my good friend Mike Manganello. Uh, but uh, didn't get the Triple Crown done that year. But uh, that's when he got, got kind of hooked into the game. Of course, uh, there were marvelous years back in the 70s when we had Secretariat, Seattle Slough, Ruffian, Affirmed and Aladar, Spectacular Bid, Reva Ridge. Ah, man, what a decade that was. Well, uh, he got it in his blood. Uh, he moved to Lexington, Kentucky, where he began editing and writing for the Thoroughbred Record. And a quarter century later, he published a work in virtually every significant Thoroughbred publication in the country. He's the author of Racehorse Breeding Theory as well as the book Great Breeders and Their Methods, The Hancocks. I'm going to stop reading his uh, pedigree from there or we'll spend the whole night on the history of Frank Mitchell. Right now we'll talk to the man, the myth, the real thing. Frank, how are you doing? Doing great, John. How are you? I'm I'm doing fantastic. I don't know if you heard the top of the show, but I was trying to describe, you know, uh, what what it's like being down at Keeneland this time of year, especially when you get lucky and you catch some nice weather. Uh, you know, I, I saw the the, the first uh, two sessions go, and it's just there's there's a lot of electricity in the air right now when you're down there. And I know you're down there every day now, aren't you? I'm down every day, and it has been a very good sale. Yeah, I feel healthy about the sport. I mean, you know, we don't have as many million-dollar horses as we had 10 years ago, but I think that was kind of uh, insane and kind of warped the the, the uh, value of a lot of horses. I, I think that it's kind of writing itself, although still a guy like you and me probably couldn't afford most of the, the average horse that we saw go through the ring the last couple of days. But I'd say on the whole, from taking a, a worldly perspective back, it, it seems to be getting back to normal. Would you agree? I would agree. Uh, the the horses that we're seeing come through are making profits for a lot of the owners and buyers, and you know that's the thing. Uh, day in and day out, if consigners and breeders can make money with horses, um, it's going to be a little more solid game for everybody else because you got to have somebody breeding good horses for them to show up at the racetrack. Well, uh, what it's uh, it's kind of interesting. I mean, for, for somebody like you, I'm going to take a step back a little bit, uh, as long as I've got an expert on the phone, and talk a little bit about you are you are a pedigree expert. It's, it's hard when I give uh, speeches to people and explain that all horses can thoroughbred horses can be traced back to three stallions. People find that uh, hard to believe. But I'm, I'm going to just ask you, you know, just a, in a short brief, because people ask me about about breeding and about some of the terms, and they don't, you know, I'm still hearing people say, oh, that horse was out of Nuriev or that horse was out of Secretariat. I always want to hit him on the top of the head and say, no, you got to come out of the dam. So uh, uh, we won't even go back to that basic, but uh, just a real briefly uh, you hear the term inbreeding what is inbreeding and how cautious do you have to be so you don't end up playing a banjo on the porch in west virginia <laughs> well we don't have any cross-eyed horses <laughs> that's a and 
generically, the thoroughbred is not especially inbred, even though it's been a closed stud book for more than 200 years. <clears throat> it is... Um, it is a group of horses that have been tested for performance rather than for physical looks. And as a result, the consistent use of performance as the test, generation after generation, has kept the breed um, vital. And inbreeding is relatively common once you get back in the fourth, fifth, and sixth generations. And if you think about that in human terms, that's like your great-great-great-grandparents. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not all that close. Um, you will occasionally see inbred horses that are two-by-two, two, which would be like grandparents uh, sharing the same horse or the same name in the pedigree. Siren. Um, but the geneticists say that even that is not unusually close in breeding, particularly since it's not widespread through the breed. Um, and there was a symposium here in Lexington just last week related to genetics and technology that, that was very interesting. And one of the points they made was that the thoroughbred is not as inbred as most other domestic breeds uh, particularly cattle, hogs, sheep, and so forth, mm-hmm. uh, where they have bred very, very closely inbred for generations. Um, well, I was lucky enough to meet and interview uh, the, the great Leon Rasmussen, as you know, was the Bloodlines writer for the racing form for decades. And he told me that what you see Indeed. over uh, you know, generations is that as far as inbreeding is you, you, that they kind of breathe in and breathe out and breathe in and breathe out. And that leads me to the term outcrossing. What, 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 how would you describe Correct. to the, the average person what outcrossing is? Outcrossing is taking two lines that are not related and mating them together. The individuals, the stallion and the mare, could be inbred themselves, but they wouldn't share any common ancestors for usually five, six generations, something like that. And if you mate them, that would be an outcross. Okay. Now, a term that's become uh, very popular uh, over probably the last 20 years now, um, it, it probably was popular back at the turn of the century, but uh, you didn't see it published that much, what was the term nicking? Uh, you've got d- different uh, professionals out there now that, that offer your nicking services and your rating services. I, I, I guess basically what you're trying to do with nicking is catch lightning in a bottle twice. That is correct. You are using past performances of pedigrees to choose mates for the mares that you have. Um, And and one thing, there was a thing that that became known, and I don't know if this is after he passed or not, that, that seems to be successful, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it was called the Rasmussen factor. And that was mm-hmm. inbreeding to similar dams, but they wouldn't necessarily be out of full brothers. But to breed, to, to, to find a strong female influence in both the mare's family and the stallion's family, even though they were by different sires, and I believe that was known as the Rasmussen factor. Yes, inbreeding to select brood mares was the Rasmussen factor, 
and it was Leon's favorite inbreeding angle, I guess you'd say, and rather than a handicapping angle, it was a, a breeding angle. And uh, one of the more <clears throat> common methods of inbreeding would be um, like Halo and Northern Dancer. Both are uh, descended from the broodmare Alma Mood, a very important broodmare. And since they're both descended from Alma Mood, any time you cross a Northern Dancer horse with a Halo-related horse, you get inbreeding back to Alma Mood. And, and, and you, you see that, and you do. When, when, I, when I get the, the, the blood horse of the Thoroughbred Times, you like to go there, and you like to look for that bold type where you do see some inbreeding, and you do see that pop up more, more often than not in, in, the, in the graded stakes races. Well, all right, now that we've, we've hit upon some, some uh, factors in breeding, okay, t- tell me, mm-hmm. when, you're go- when you go to the sale, uh, are you looking for inbreeding, outcrossing, nicking, confirmation, a blend of all of them? Typically, I look at look at horses for a blend of qualities, um, and then on top of the pedigree items that you sift through for nicking and inbreeding and one variety of pedigree shape or another, uh, there's also a, an approach to mating called breeding like to like, or uh, it's a phenotypical matching rather than just pedigree matching. Uh, The phenotype is the physical look of the horse, and one of the ideas that some breeders use is that a similar type of good stallion should be bred to a similar type of good mare. Or if you have a mare that's not performed up to par, you might say, I'll go to a slightly different phenotype than she is and try to change what the offspring looks like. Now, um, and that's that's one of the considerations I use very heavily. Now, also, I, I know that uh, over the years things have uh, changed outside of just guys that had marvelous eyes. I remember uh, twenty years ago how it was uh, amazing how. Uh, D. Wayne Lucas could go to a sale, and he'd, he'd be in there bidding with you know all these other money guys, but but somehow he'd be the one that had come away with the, the, the winning colors or something. I asked him one time. I said, I said, what is it that makes you different uh, at, at a sale? And he says, remember when you were a little kid, you'd be waiting in the doctor's office, and they'd have that book there where you looked in the trees and you tried to find the hidden cat. And he said, I can find the hidden cat. <laughs> um, so uh, you know, I guess there's just so much involved in in, in looking at the animal uh, and how many years it takes. And that's why so many of these extremely high bidders uh, use the same bloodstock agents year after year. But I think one thing that's changed, and this is something you know about, is they started measuring heart size. We now have x-rays on all these horses. And there's a system called biomechanics that seems to have become very important. Can you kind of explain to us what's involved there and, and how it affects your choice on horses? Yes, the the cardio scans have become very popular, particularly for people who are trying to evaluate whether a horse can go 10 or 12 furlongs. Um, It's a fairly natural, intuitive thing if you if a horse has a fairly has a the right sort of heart, um, he's going to be better adapted to racing around two turns. (laughs) 
And you, you can have, for instance, as one of my friends says, you can have a Cadillac engine in a Volkswagen body, but if you've got a Cadillac body, you better have that Cadillac engine in there. <laughs> Otherwise, you're in big trouble. Well, well stated. And, well, it, it'll be very interesting. Now, um, I'm just wondering, uh, in your opinion, I've only got a couple more minutes, but uh, I'm just kind of wondering, in your opinion, kind of who's hot and who's not. It looks like, as a young stallion, uh, Bernardini is, is, is going to be on fire. And it, it looks like uh, Claiborne, a farm I know that you respect very much uh, for their, their mm-hmm. years of having a great eye for a potential stallion. Uh, they, they've come up with Warfront that's uh, only stood for, for $15,000 last year, and uh, I, I believe he uh, leads the country in, in graded stakes winners right now. In your opinion, who's hot, who's not? Because I'm seeing street cry and street sense jumping off these pedigree pages uh, down at Keeneland. Mm-hmm. The two that you mentioned are very hot items right now. And in addition, uh, Tappet Gainsway's lovely gray horse is wow. just uh, very popular. He had the sale topper at yesterday's session um, at Keeneland. Today's sale toppers were by Unbridled Song and um, Awesome Again. And both of them were million-dollar yearlings. And one was 1.3 and one was 1.35 million. And you just don't see a million-dollar yearling show up on day five very often. No. Um, but they weren't they weren't anomalies it was a good it was a good sale day it was a good sale for tappet it was a good sale for warfront whose yearlings are very popular they're big strong good looking young horses and he has some of the fastest young 3 year olds out there well, it, it, it's an exciting time, and again, you know, I told anybody if they, if they're certainly if they're within a two-hour drive to, to go, the sale's going to go on for many more days. Even though the big first book's gone, it's still a, it's a classy place to be, and it's it's kind of a an electric place to be. But be, before I I go, uh, I would like to tell people a little bit about uh, a thing called Bloodstock in the Bluegrass. They can dial it up on the internet. And what they're going to see when they get the bloodstock and the bluegrass, because you're a heck of a writer, Frank. Well, thank you. They're going to see commentary about pedigrees, bloodstock, breeders, issues in breeding horses. Uh, for instance, artificial insemination. There's a court case in Australia right now that's underway that's going to determine whether Australian thoroughbreds can be bred by artificial insemination, which is banned in all countries that breed the thoroughbred. And it's going to be a world-changing court case if it comes down in favor of artificial insemination. It'll be interesting to see how that'd be addressed by the uh, North American Jockey Club. Oh, it is going to be a big issue for the North American and European Jockey Club's uh, if the Australian courts rule in favor. Now, uh, as far as uh, the bloodstock and the bluegrass, uh, how far back can we go to read uh, Frank Mitchell's uh, daily racing form columns? <laughs> well, uh, there aren't very many racing form columns on there. Um, 
if you have one in mind, I guess I could post it for you. Uh, but there are a couple of years of uh, fresher observations, stories, interviews, and commentaries. Um, most of them related to either breeders or to bloodstock uh, running around the world. Well, I can tell everybody out there that's listed to winningponies.com, it's called Bloodstock in the Bluegrass. Write that down. It's real easy, and you'll get to, to learn an awful lot about, about pedigrees, about breeding, uh, brought to you uh, by Frank Mitchell. Frank, listen, I got your phone number now. You're in trouble because I'm going to be calling you again. We barely scratched the surface of, of uh, pedigrees and, and the legend of breeding. I'd like to really talk to you about some, some of your favorite uh, breeders and their past methods, and I, so I certainly hope this isn't the last time uh, you're a guest on winningponies.com. Call anytime, John. I will. Watch out. I take people up on what they say. Ladies and gentlemen, Frank Mitchell, you, get, you, can, you can read them all over the place, but if you want to read them tonight, you can go right to Bloodstock in the Bluegrass on the Internet. Well, coming up next, uh, one of my favorite people to read, to see, and to hang out with at a racetrack, the one, the only, Tom Lamar, a news editor of the Blood Horse magazine. Tom's waiting for us. He's been handicapping all day. Hopefully, we'll give you out some winners. We'll be right back on winningponies.com. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This Is It Sports is an engaging talk program that includes you, the experts, and sports, all moderated by Coach Carl Hargrave. We'll talk about what's going on in the general sports world, collegiate and professional, take a look at youth-oriented sports, athletic development and sportsmanship, faith, and where it has its place in sports, along with a lively discussion with Coach Carl every week. Tune in to This Is It Sports with Coach Carl Hargrave every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Fantasy sports is where the action really is. Over 40 million people play fantasy sports, but rarely do they get to quiz the experts. Fantasy Insights is the name and the game. Tune in every week as Dish Adams and his guests clue you in on the fantasy football game, what's happening on and off the field, and how it will affect your fantasy team. These experts aren't just beat writers assigned to fantasy football. They live and breathe the game. Tune in to Fantasy Insights with Dish Adams every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. 
And welcome back, everybody. I want to thank Frank Mitchell for being on a very eye-opening interview. And again, it won't be the last time I have him on. There's, there's so much to, to learn and know about uh, the, the, the breeding and the, the pedigree and the history that goes goes into horse racing. It's a, a very interesting subject. Well, everything in racing to me is an, is an interesting subject. And one man that has his finger on the pulse of just about everything he has to. I'm not sure that he gets more than four hours sleep a night. Is the one, the only Tom Lamara. Tom, how are you doing, my friend? John, I'm fine, John. How are you doing? I'm doing real good. Hey, I want to give uh, you and the Blood Horse and Deidre Biles a tip of the cap. And I'll tell you why. Oh, for the sale coverage? Yeah. She, she came out with an article, September Sales Session 1, Horses to Watch. Man, mm-hmm. did she nail them. Uh, she gave out a, a, a list of horses to watch, and in there she gave out the sales topper at one point one million. She gave out uh, the the uh, third highest uh, horse at nine hundred twenty five thousand, the fourth at eight hundred seventy five thousand, the fifth at seven hundred seventy five thousand, and the sixth at seven hundred twenty five thousand. She also nailed a six hundred fifty thousand, a six hundred thousand. All I can say is tell Dee Dee. My hat's off to her. She did one hell of a job uh, covering the sales ring because these aren't horses. She just looked at a paper. She went out, uh, talked to the people, uh, looked exactly. at them. Uh, right. Just fantastic coverage, does. Tom. Um, you know, um, she covers the major sales, the smaller sales. Um, she's quite good. Um, she's plugged into what's happening. And, yes, yeah, she does talk to people. It's not like, you know. She is plugged in, and um, her stories are good. Her coverage is good, and I will pass that on to her. I'm sure that she'll appreciate that. Well, all I can tell you is, uh, you know, you, you better be careful because I got a feeling there's going to be some bloodstock agencies that might be offering her a bigger salary well, she can get at the blood horse. It's not the first time that that would have happened. I think. So. <laughs> I mean, that is pretty phenomenal. If anybody goes back and look and looks at the home runs she hit on her predictions, and these are just the ones that that I mentioned that that are six hundred thousand and more. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were exactly. other ones she had at a half a million dollars. It's very, very, very impressive. So again, a, a tip of the cap to to you, you and and your staff, Tom. Um, well, I guess this is kind of exciting time of the year uh, for you as a news editor because not only do you have the Keeneland sale, but all of a sudden we're going to see a whole lot of grade ones coming up. Everybody's getting ready for the Breeders' Cup, and it's pretty much near your backyard. Yes, at uh, Churchill Downs. Um, it's kind of sneaking up on me. Um, you know, there used to be quiet times each year, but quite frankly, there's not a quiet time anymore. Um, news never seems to stop, which is a good thing. I'm not complaining about that, but... You know, it's like you wake up and all of a sudden it's Breeders' Cup week, <laughs> which I think may happen this year, too. So, <laughs> Well, yeah, it, it's sneaking up on us, you know, and, and uh, plus there's, there's just you just don't know what's going to happen, you know, every day. I mean, you're, you're right on top of uh, uh, Remy Beliak leaving as CEO of the National HBPA. Then you've got to cover a lot of the races we're, we're going we're gonna to handicap. Uh, it's kind of mm-hmm. interesting. I did uh, read uh, on the Blood Horse that live foal reports are down 13.5% from 2010. All of us are struggling with, with smaller fields. If the live foal reports are down 135 Tom, where's the sport headed? Well, I think the sport will be fine. I think that um, just, you know, um, racetracks and horsemen need to make adjustments, you know, um, 
the six-day race week is just about gone, except for the place like Saratoga, um, which I think will not have a problem with horse population with the VLT revenue about to start coming in in a couple months. But, you know, these other places, um, you know, it's happened in, in, you know, in your area, the Cincinnati area with Turfway, you know, three and four nights a week. Churchill's dropped a day a week. And, you know, it's just reality. I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, and besides, you know, there's always a possibility that if the economic circumstances improve, that maybe people will start breeding more horses, and it may tick up again, but I doubt it will ever return, you know, say to what it was 12 or 15 years ago. I just don't see that happening. So. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, all, all the tracks have to be cautious, and, and I think the horsemen have to be understanding. Uh, you, you know, you, you're... You just can't card nine races a day, five days a week anymore because, you know, you're, you're coming up with six horse fields that people don't like to bet on and they need to understand that that's what purses are based on, you know. Yeah, and, uh, and, and quality is a factor to a certain extent, but what I've noticed is, you know, it really doesn't matter what your niche is on the class ladder, but if you can get 10, 11, 12 horses in most of your races – you will draw play. You know, it's the small fields that just turn people away, including myself. Um, I'm not a, you know, when I like a horse in a six-horse field, fine, I'll bet, but I more or less gravitate toward the larger fields because I think that, you know, there's more value there, basically. You know, There's, there's no I doubt about it, and, and I've, and I've yeah. seen that all summer long. Uh, you know, it really didn't matter the level of horses, but, man, when we threw 10 horses at them, the, the pools grew. Well, listen, Absolutely. I could talk to you all day about the sport of kings, but I also know you uh, as, as a handicapper, and that's the reason I called you tonight. I threw some races at you. We're going to go all over the country and out of the country, I believe, um, uh, starting with uh, the Garden City Stakes. Um, it's going to be broadcast uh, live on Madison Square Garden Plus, and I think also people probably get a chance to see your pretty face uh, giving some picks out on this horse, correct, Nundo? Um, was not on the show this morning. <laughs> was up I thought you, I thought you were saying you were going to do the Garden City this weekend. Uh, we did the show, but I wasn't on it. I'm sorry. I misunderstood what you said. But, uh, yes, the handicapping show video was posted this afternoon, and they did talk about the Garden City. All right. Yep. Well, and what I want right now, uh, Tom, as always, we're going to try to put 10 pounds in a 5-pound sack. I've given <laughs> you... Uh, uh, f- I believe four races to handicap, and uh, we got about uh, probably ten minutes to do it. So uh, let's st- let's start out right now uh, with the uh, Garden City Grade One Belmont Park. Who you like? Well, I like two horses in here. One of them is the heavy favorite, or or, or the horse that should be the heavy favorite. Winter Memories. Um, I'm going to throw out her <clears throat> her last race at Saratoga. Um, she didn't really fire. I think she was fifth or fourth, I'm not sure, but um, but I would expect her to rebound strictly because I think she's probably the best turf filly in the country. Um, but the horse that I like, actually that I may play to win, is, is, is a horse called Pinch Pie, um, who um, ran in the Alabama, uh, yeah, ran in the Alabama last time ran third, uh, ran a, a, a strong race behind Royal Delta. Um, she's three for four on the turf. 
and she's returning to the turf. She's never run against a field like this on the grass, but, you know, it's one of those races where I think, you know, the price will be right. So I really like her and Winter Memories. Well, all I can say is it looks like you've kind of been looking over my shoulder here as, as far as uh, uh, this is concerned uh, because those are the two horses I had. And then I just had a, a question. I noticed Garrett Gomez is going to be in town uh, to ride the Thyskin's Theory, uh, the horse that's never been anywhere but Europe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you know, that's interesting. Um, you know, I don't put too much stock when, you know, the jockeys fly in from California to ride horses, but, you know, he, he, he must like her or he was told that she's pretty good, I gather. So, you know, uh, I'm still going to stick with my two. But <laughs> I, I am too, Tom. Well, listen, let, let's move on before the break. Uh, we'll go, uh, I'm still having a hard time. We're going to go to Parks Racing, a track I know you're familiar with, but, but under another name. Yes. Um, when I was a kid, it was called Keystone. And I actually learned to handicap there, heaven help me. Um, <laughs> and then it was, uh, its name changed to Philadelphia Park, and now it's Parks. <laughs> so, yes. Well, uh, nonetheless, uh, they've, they've got uh, a quarter-million-dollar race there. Uh, they're going to go a mile and an eighth. Um, a track like this uh, attracts horses from, from all over the place. Uh, we got them coming in from, uh, you know, uh, Mammoth and Saratoga, one off a layoff at Keeneland. Um, I see a guy that's showing up at the track that I don't think races there every day by the name of Edgar Prado, and I'm kind of leaning towards his horse, number three, Smart Bid. Uh, that was the only horse that I wrote down. <laughs> I'm sorry, we're picking the same horses, but yeah, um, I think that he has a has a rather large class edge in that race, and um, you know, I, I would probably play him at you know, nine to five or higher, I think. Um, he just looks like it, it just looks like a good spot for him. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I, I think if there's a, uh, a fly in the ointment form, you know, we always say horses uh, for courses, horses that like Saratoga, like Saratoga. Uh, P- Patrick B. and Cone, I don't think races at parks every day, but uh, Violin Sacra uh, yeah. brings to this race uh, interesting credentials and a, a win over this track. Yeah, and, and you know, um, that turf course is, um, well, I'll try to be kind. It's, it's, it's choppy. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> so um, I would say, y- yes, you're right, that having a race or having a win on that turf course is probably a major plus. Well, anyhow, smart bid, and um, Tom and I are both agreeing on this horse. I, I think... Uh, Violin Sacre is, is is worth keeping in your exotics. A couple long shots that, that like uh, Parks, uh, Cat Park, and an interesting uh, horse, Irish Bread, feels all right. They're both at 15 and 1. They might be worth putting underneath. Well, we're going to take a short break here, and then we're going to go to West Virginia, Charlestown for the Oaks. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? 
you can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Do you feel the need for speed? Whatever your addiction, NASCAR, IndyCar, NHRA, Formula One, or even lawnmower racing, Pit Pass USA has got you covered. Larry Henry here, host of Pit Pass USA. I put my 30-plus years of being a motorsports broadcaster to work to bring you not only the best guests, but also the most interesting guests in racing. Pit Pass USA with Larry Henry, your front row seat to the world of racing. Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Sports Channel. Be there or get a DNF. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. And with Tom Lamaro from the Blood Horse Magazine, we're going to take you now from West Virginia to Toronto. I, I threw Tom a lot of curves here, but I know that uh, he uh, buys uh, plenty of uh, programs and can handicap at just about any, any track in the country. We're going to go to uh, a distance I always find challenging, seven furlongs at Charlestown. It's the third running of the Charlestown Oaks, and Oaks, of course, is for three-year-old fillies. So a lot of times you, you, get, you get a horse that maybe is all of a sudden getting up the bat and starting to hit, hit from singles to triples and getting better. Uh, kind of brings together a real interesting field, Tom. Uh, I, I don't know what you thought about this group, but, man, I had a tough time. Yeah, and um, quite frankly, it's, it's uh, loaded with quality, that race. Um, you know, horses had have won graded stakes in New York, and, you know, once again, you know, when you have the money, you throw up a $400,000 purse. I think it's the second richest race for three-year-old fillies in the country behind the Kentucky Oaks. $400,000. That's impressive. I believe so. It's not graded yet, but my guess is uh, next year or the year after. And once again, the fans need to remember, seventh furlong race at Charlestown is two turns with a long run to the first turn. <laughs> so that does change things up a little bit there. So. <laughs> It, it, it really does, and I'm just telling you, there's just there's so many different angles in here. Uh, you've you've got the, a lot of horses coming out of graded stakes races, and again, four hundred thousand uh, will do that. And, and it's kind of hard to match them up because a lot of them put in uh, maybe solid efforts but didn't win. Uh, another one right. did win, but maybe it was in a grade three after a layoff. I, I guess uh, the horse I'm talking about right now is 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 hot summer. Um, a horse that uh, had been away with the races uh, since the Black Eyed Susan. But the Black Eyed Susan's a race that has produced a lot of horses that have won since then. Uh, and kind yeah. of some impressive horses have come out of that race. Uh, and this horse won the victory ride at Saratoga on August 27th. And I noticed that uh, Cornelio Velasquez will be making his debut at Charlestown. Uh, mm-hmm. you looking at that horse, Tom, or are you looking at another direction? Well, I looked at a lot of horses in that race, and quite frankly, I, I, you know, I, I took into account the track configuration and, like, horses running style. So, 
Um, I looked, and the horse that I picked is actually the the the, the longest price in the four races that we're talking about, Groupie Doll. I just circled that. That's great. Yeah, it's, um, it's got local yeah. connections. Greta Kunzweiler has the mount on it. Yeah, and, and you know. She's uh, not running. The, well, no, I'm sorry. The Ellis Park race was a grade three. I'm sorry. She did win a grade three at Ellis Park last time out. Impressively, at, at one, a mile. Yes, at one mile. Um, she had won her previous two starts impressively, and her first start wasn't very good. But like I said, she came back and won three. Um, I think Bradley really likes her, and, uh, you know, he thought, let's try her. You know, in a spot like this against three-year-olds, she beat older uh, Ellie's and Mares last time. Now she's back with three-year-olds. I, I was just looking for a price, and I thought this looks like a horse that is in form. She's getting better. You know, and uh, if she likes that, that track, she won't have any problem with the distance. So, you know, I just thought it might be worth a shot. Yeah, and they say don't bet on a horse to do something it's never done before, and this horse has only tried seven furlongs, was an eight-and-a-half length win. Exactly. Like I said, this is the, right. the time of the year where some of these three-year-olds really blossom. Tom, I don't yeah. I don't handicap or I don't have any odds in front of me. What are Groupie Doll's odds? You know what? Um, I don't have them either, but looking at the quality of the horses in the field, my guess is, you know, she could be nine, ten to one, but I don't know what she is in the line. Well, it looks to me like Buff Bradley's really got this horse on its on its toes. It's coming out of there with with a 94 speed rating. Um, again, I think some of the class horses I already mentioned, Hot Summer. I think you've got to consider uh, her smile a real threat. A horse that is coming out of four consecutive Grade Ones, including a victory in the six furlong Priors at Belmont. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's like I said. Um, you know, there's a lot of graded stakes types in there, but it's not graded. <laughs> so, but, uh, you know, um, whoever wins it, well, they've earned it because it really is a good field. So. Yeah, it really is. I mean, uh, you've got horses like Tourmaline in there that I think has raced at seven different racetracks in its last seven starts. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, it, it's just uh, it's kind of wide open. I wouldn't be surprised to see an upsetter, but if there is, I'd like to see it be Buff Bradley and Greta Kunzweiler getting it done, uh, people yeah. that we both know that, that race in this area. All right, now we're going to turn the page forward to Sunday. Uh, we're going to take a trip up to Toronto. Boy, talk about uh, attracting good horses. You throw up a million bucks, and they'll come from everywhere. I'm talking about at Woodbine, the Ryko Woodbound Mile. It's a grade one, a million dollars up for grabs. It's kind of rare that you get two horses from Europe that just ran one, two in the same race, <laughs> shipping in for a race. And then, and then you've got uh, kind of the, the, the scratch-your-head horse, uh, Court Vision, who's just an outstanding horse. Is won over $2.6 million. Uh, Court Vision won this race last year, but the reason I'm scratching my head is Court Vision's last three starts uh, moves to the Dale Romans barn. What do you think about that? Yeah, um, you know, that was an, uh, you know, a strange switch, and, and quite frankly, I don't know exactly why, why that switch was made, and I don't remember reading it in any of our stories. Um, but, you know, um, the horse uh, is going to stand stud next year, so this is his last year. I think so, anyway. And, um, you know, he's always been a little bit inconsistent. He was he was a, a much more consistent horse, um, you know, when he was three uh, and four, I believe. But, um, you know, he's always a threat. I didn't go there because I just, uh, 
like you said, his last three races weren't exactly that, you know, weren't spectacular by any stretch. And uh, I'm leaning against him in that spot. Well, um, he's not my pick. I just wanted to get your read on him. And quite frankly, I don't know. the statement <laughs> you made really was right don't. because he won this race <laughs> last year off a sixth-place finish in the Manhattan. And exactly. uh, went, went off and at odds of seven to one to win this exactly race. But right. uh, that's exactly uh, right. I'm kind of moving back to to a horse uh, that I find very interesting. Uh, has only made two starts this year for a very patient trainer, uh, Bill Mott, who I don't think often uses the services of one Pat Valenzuela, but he has. No, he doesn't. You know, uh, <laughs> this horse won the Shoemaker Mile. You got to admit, P Val. Put in an unbelievable ride uh, in that race and got up to win by a neck. And I'm sure he said, "Hey, I can't fire the guy after that race." So uh, right, I'm going to have to go right. with courageous cat in here. Yeah, and and um, my guess is that horse will draw quite a lot of play. Um, his form is good, and um, you know the jockey. Once again, you know he comes in from California. He he rode him there and. There's a lot of positive signs there. So um, my guess is he'll be one of the favorites. Uh, it's a pretty deep field, though, I think. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, and, and um, I went with a, uh, a European horse. Um, and I've got to admit, I, I struggled with this race because I saw a lot of horses in there. I said, well, this one probably has a chance. Uh, so I picked Side Glance, um, who has just been... Uh, extremely consistent running in Great Britain, um, mainly Group 2 and 3 company, but that doesn't really bother me because, you know, at some point you got to try the, you know, the Grade 1 or the Group 1. Plus, you know, those races in England, there's a lot of good horses in those group races, and um, a horse with form like that really attracts me, and uh, I think it'll be bet, but I'm going to... Um, I'll stick with side glance in that race. All right. Well, you heard it, ladies and gentlemen. Tom Lamara is going to stick with side glance. I'm going to try to beat him with P-Vale and Billy Martin, courageous cat. Tom Lamara from the Blood Horse, I can't thank you enough for being here. I can't wait till I see you in person down the road in the bluegrass. Thanks so much for being on the show, Tom. Well, that pretty much closes it out for winningponies.com for another Thursday. Thanks for listening. Remember, if for any reason you miss one of these shows, you can always get back to the podcast. I want to thank Frank Mitchell for joining us, too. From atop the grandstand overlooking the turf course past the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky, I'm John Engelhart. Remember, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.